Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Achtung Noah, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin. Set no substitute. Hello dear listeners, welcome to Achtung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart and this is another one of our coronavirus enforced random editions from the past. We so I, I so love, I don't know if you love them, I love them. Um, and this one that we're looking at today, this fixture, generated by the, uh, the random.org number generator which threw up the number 1902, so 1902. And we're looking back to... Uh, a fixture played on the 15th of February, 1902. Um, coincidentally, this is weird, isn't it? Look, QPR nil, Millwall Athletic 2 played on the 15th of February, 1902, as we've said. This was a Southern League fixture played at QPR's then ground at Latimer Road, um, which is, I've had to do some research on where Latimer Road. I actually don't know that part of West London terribly well, listeners. I will confess to you, but I found um, an QPR, an R's history site, as they call it. Um, They've moved many, many times in their history. They're finally settling on Loftus Road in the end, but even from Loftus Road, they've moved to White City, I think, on a couple of occasions, trying to uh, expand their club. But certainly prior to taking occupation of of Loftus Road, the the Kyan Prince Foundation uh, Stadium, as it's now called, in 1901, they were playing at a location somewhere off of Latimer Road Junction with St. Quintin Avenue. Now, as I said, I've had to look that up on Google because I don't know that part of London very well. I know the, the major parts of it and the main routes through it, but like any good South East London boy, um, get me northwest or west and I'm a little bit lost. Um, the location is at best listed as somewhere off of that the junction of those two roads, near enough to a pub called the Latimer Arms, which is where Queen's Park Rangers would change before making their way to the pitch, which was nearby. When you look at it now, it looks like a fairly regular London Victorian street of what would have been fairly substantial houses back in in their times. And in actual fact, the article that I'm looking at does disclose some hostility to QPR playing in the area. I think there was uh, one of the ratepayers um complained um unhappy at having a professional football club on their doorstep um i think we can only call that 
um, snobbery um, of the times. QPR were on the move regularly. It's not terribly far from their modern day location, but this is where the game was played in 1902, Latimer Road. A 2-0 win for the Dockers. Goals from Jack Armand and Ernie Watkins. More about those two players later on in this edition. Played in the Southern League. Uh, 4,000 was the, the crowd. They used to give estimates rather than any hard and fast number, accurate number. So 4,000 is the is the attendance listed in the Richard Lindsay book. The Mill team that day, um, I've got the full I've got the full lineup here. That's not bad. Again, Richard Lindsay's book is fantastic for this kind of detail, dear listeners. Tiny Joyce Singol, major name in Mill history. We've covered him on some of the previous shows that I've done with Neil. And the two fullbacks, Charlie Dove and Archie Dunn. Midfield halfbacks, as they would have been called, Jimmy Riley, Jack Bell, and George Morris. And then the front line on the wing, Danny Mayer, John Hamilton, Jack Almond, of whom more to come, and Ernie Watkins, more to come. And on the other side, Miller. I've not actually got his name, just got Miller. And we're very lucky to actually still be in existence at this point, listeners. And I've mentioned, um, you know, the the problems caused by the landlord wanting uh, the ground back, the East Ferry Road ground, the athletic ground. Uh, had to be returned back to the dock company. It actually put the, the the very existence of Millwall Football Club in in doubt, in jeopardy, and only by Herculean efforts, absolute titanic efforts, did by the men of the time, did a the club survive, and b uh, the new ground, which uh, became known as North Greenwich, um, nowadays part of Millwall Park on the north side of the water, not North Greenwich, where the underground station is on the south side. But only by massive efforts and just sheer love of Millwall Football Club did did we survive at that point. So this would have been our first season playing out of our North Greenwich ground um, by the railway arches in, in Millwall Park. So just to be playing and to be in existence was, was something, let alone to finish sixth in the Southern League in 1901-1902. We'd also finish third in a competition called the London League, which... It was like a reserve competition, but as the name implies, for London clubs. And fourth in another reserve competition, the Western League. So overall, sixth in the Southern, third in the London League, and fourth in the Western League. That's a pretty good season for a club that could have gone, should have gone out of existence at the end of 1900 to 1901. So it's a miracle that we're still here. And there's been other situations since where the club has come very close to you know, non-existence, and I just, I, I just think we all have a duty as Millwall fans to do our best whenever the situation may call upon us again to sustain us because too many have given too much time to the club in the past, I'm going back here, what, 120 years to keep it going, and um, I don't know, it just leaves you a slight sense of awe that they achieved this. Um in the FA Cup this particular season, we went out in the intermediate round, so preliminary round, losing 0-1 to Bristol Rovers after a replay. Um, I do have a match report from the St James's Gazette. Oh, look at this, St James's Gazette. We'll come back to this later on. The 17th of February, which is today's date as I record this edition. This is from the 17th of Feb 1902. Queen's Park Rangers versus Millwall. On Saturday last, there was a big crowd at the Rangers ground, Latimer Road, Notting Hill, 
when the Holmesters met Millwall. Although the visitors won by two goals to nil, the match was far more evenly contested than it would appear by the score. Still, however, Millwall thoroughly deserved their victory. The visitors at once pressed, but were so well met that the ball had been in motion tw- um, 20 minutes air, air before, like a poetic before, isn't it? Air. Air Armand beat Collins. This is the kind of sports reporting we don't get anymore. We don't get poetic uses of the word before, do we? Um, so that would be for the first goal, John Armand. Jack Armand, I think he was known as. Even play followed, and then Mill again had much of the best of the play. And Watkins shot another goal. Ernie Watkins. And nothing further being scored up to half-time. Mill thus crossed over, leading by two goals to nil. So half-time, 2 nil. The second half was hotly contested. The Rangers time after time making great efforts to get on terms. But try as they would, they could not score. Nor could their opponents. And when the final whistle finally sounded, Mill left the field. Victors by 2 to nil. Mr H. Walker was referee. Actually, that was from the, the Sporting Life. That was from the Sporting Life. Um, the, uh, the, the St James's Gazette that I mentioned is actually just a, a terse paragraph. Um, QPRV Mill, these London clubs, met at Latimer Road before a large company. Uh, Mill scored twice in the first half, and despite good work by, by Rangers, the Rangers afterwards won by two goals to nil. That's that from the St James's Gazette. Sporting Life giving us a little bit more chapter and, and verse in their account. Um, I've picked out a few players that, um, these are names that I didn't know, and as ever, I refer to Neil Fissler's masterwork, Mill Who's Who, and I refer you to it too, dear listeners, because as we've said many, many times, it's got every single Mill player that's ever pulled on the Dockers and the Lions shirt. So the first name that I've picked out is actually quite an interesting character, that's Jack Armand, or John Armand, to give him his formal name um not a name i knew previously so this is a new one on me as well one of the beauties of doing this kind of podcast is you do get to learn so much along the way of of what you think you know if that makes any sense jack Armand, who was an inside forward he played for Millwall between 1901 to 1903 but he had had a fairly substantial career prior to coming to to the isle of dogs he played Indeed, he played for Sheffield United in their championship winning season of 1898. He's a first division champion, held a medal from, from 1890, runners up in 1900, and he won the FA Cup with Sheffield United in 1899. Um, interesting character, Jack Armand. He was the son of a wealthy uh, Yorkshire brewer and reported to have uh, inherited between six and £12,000 when his father died. That was a huge sum of money back then, so he was actually quite well off. Um, and as the uh, Who's Who biography puts it, he played for the love of the game. He didn't need the money. He was not playing for your conventional professional reasons. He inherited a fortune and played for, for love. Um, and as I say here, winning winning the FA Cup in, a, in, in, in 1899 in a 4-1 victory over Derby County, as well as being a first division champion. Um, he played for us for two years. Um, and he would go on to other, other clubs, Bradford City, Doncaster Rovers, and then Doncaster Great Northern Railway Locomotives. <laughs> That's a great name for a... There must be their work side or something. Um, he quit football to run a pub in Gainford in County Durham. Um, and it, uh, later in life, became a publican in Leeds. Ran a hotel in Bangor. 
and um, as we've already mentioned, worked in the Doncaster loco Locomotive Works. I found a picture of him. I will put that out with Sydney Sheffield United striped red and white shirt. But um, I just think it's fantastic to be able to mention these names from the past. Jack Armand, scorer of this goal, uh, the first goal in this win over QPR 120 years ago. Um, second player that I've picked out, Alfred Ernest Watkins. Ernie Watkins, who was an outside left, so a winger, left winger. Um, born in, in Wales, I'm not even going to pronounce this this name, Carno Clanog. I've probably done no justice to that at all. Um, he born in eighteen seventy eight, passed away in Barking in nineteen fifty seven. Played for Millwall after various clubs: uh, Carewis, Oswestry, Leicester, Aston Villa, Grimsby, Millwall Athletic in August nineteen oh one. He was part of a large recruitment drive that the club had to undertake because when we nearly went out of business, many of the the uh, professionals left the club. The working men had to go on and get other clubs. And when it turned out the club had survived by, um, you know, by by um, by the skin of its teeth, uh, there was there was a very speedy and fast recruitment process, which included Ernie Watkins. Um, he would actually leave us in 1906 to go on to Southend United. Um, he's the eldest of six brothers, and as Who's Who puts it here, they they relied more on skill than on brawn. So I'm going to guess he's a fairly light player, but skillful. Uh, made his name with Leicester, Leicester Foss, Leicester City nowadays, that's their old name. Couldn't break into Aston Villa's 1900 championship winning side and was a Welsh international. Um, played for Grimsby Town's Division 2 winning season in 1901 before joining Millwall at North Greenwich. Um, went helping us to get to an FA Cup semi-final of course in 1903 and winning the London League in 1904. In later life, Ernie became a furniture sales porter, uh, then an assistant station master and a cemetery gatekeeper, um, sadly passing away in a fire in his home in uh, 1957. Ernie Watkins. Um, that's, the players ended such colourful lives. Listen, I suppose it's a consequence of being working class men. Football was often but one part of a series of um, often hard working jobs or military roles as as you know depending on the time that you're born in um a station master railway station master and then a cemetery gatekeeper um for ernie final player i've picked out from this particular lineup this 2-0 win over qpi is, is uh, a winger uh, on outside right david mayer mayer um, a local lad born in Cubit Town on the Isle of Dogs in um, 1880. He would die in Carlisle. He would, he would make the, normally you, you make the journey south, don't you, from different parts of the country. Well, David would make the journey north after playing for Mill St. John's, Mill Athletic, 1899. He'd move on to Brentford, then to Preston and Carlisle in May, in May 1906. Um, he was a local lad, spent most of his Mill career out, outside right, where he, he, despite being light in build, many, many of the men of this era for many reasons too deep to go into on a football podcast but um many were slight of frame um and you can put that down to poor diet let's let's be honest poverty of um you know income in the, in those times um he would he would um play for the, the bradford pals battalion where he served with the bradford pals battalion i should say in the great war before after hostilities he'd become a publican in carlisle until he passed away in 1936, David Mayer, local lad, 
went northwards. Um, there we are. Now, one of the things I always find quite interesting, I don't know if people like these little extra bits. Um, tell me if you do or you don't, really. But um, I had a quick look through the St. James's Gazette, just purely because um, it's a, a, a title that I hadn't heard of. They did mention our game versus QPR, which um, when I read about the, the St. James's Gazette, as the name would imply, was an evening newspaper published uh, between 1880 and 1905. And as you might expect, the St. James's Gazette um, it was um, represented conservative opinion of the turn of the century, really, um, known for favouring imperialism and um, the causes that came with with that, that, that political perspective. But I picked out a couple of stories which I, I find interesting. You tell me, you tell me. First story is um, on um, the Royal Navy. This is the leader. Um, the St. James's Gazette, 17th of Feb, 1902. Um, uh, there's been a report um, recommending an increase, an increase in the size of the Royal Navy to meet the expected oncoming threat from the, uh, the, the German Empire. So 1902, we've got another 12 years to go yet before the outbreak of the First World War. And this uh, Lord Selborne's report... Uh, recommends an increase in defence spending, £380,000, which um, would have been in the, well, I don't know how many millions now in modern modern uh, values, uh, recommending an increase to uh, five battleships, more than what we have at the moment. Um, and, and the reason for that is cited as the German naval activity. Germany was, of course, um, intent on building up its naval forces to try to match those of the British, which uh, at the time was the largest naval force in the world. That would be tested in uh, 1916 at the Battle of Jutland, which would have mixed results on the day. I think it was a, an overnight battle, daytime and overnight for the Royal Navy. Mixed results in in a sense, though the German fleet retired having um, possibly the slight better of it on the day, but long term they never ever returned to the fray to test it a second time. So although it was... Um, kind of a fighting draw, I suppose you could put it, if you want to put it in um, slightly um, glib football terms. Uh, the German Navy returned to port and didn't contest the North Sea again, which allowed the stranglehold of a naval blockade on the German Empire, which in the end would um, help the, the Allies prevail at the end of the First World War. So these uh, the, the defence report here is, is advocating the increase in naval spending um and on the same subject if if i may um conscription is being talked about at this time 1901 1902 you had the boer war in south africa the south african wars um which were very costly very um bloody and were no easy easy match for the uh, for the british forces down there and there was even talk here one uh, sir howard vincent mp um, Colonel Sir Howard Vincent is pointing out that um, you know if, if conscription, uh, the enforced enlistment of men into the army, becomes a necessity, he would oppose it vigorously in the Houses of Parliament. He, he still advocated the volunteer army. That would be how we would start the, the First World War in 1914 with a volunteer army. That wouldn't last uh, in the end. The demands of modern industrial warfare would require conscription 
which would come in from, I believe, 1916 onwards. But certainly, um, he, Sir, Vincent, Sir Howard Vincent MP would oppose it with all of his might, as he puts it here in this little piece in the St. James's Gazette. And finally, and finally, just to try and, um, I don't know if it's lighten the tone, but it's certainly, prob you know, one thing that strikes you when you read old newspapers is how the, uh, there's nothing new. Like one of the first things I was ever told when I started work by a dear old chap who'd been at the uh, the office where I worked for, it looked like forever, um, Robbie's name was, he said to me, well, the thing you got to know, Nick, is there is nothing new in this life. And so it isn't, because there's traffic problems in 1902. One of the tyrannies of London life, in actual fact, according to the St. James's Gazette. Um, the locomotion problem around the city, uh, stoppages in Cheapside, Strand, Piccadilly and Tottenham Court Road, representing a loss to the city, they say, tens of thousands of pounds per week. Um, no visitors to the city could not be impressed by the never-ending stream, the human stream of a world passing by. 180,000 people a day are whirled through space within a few miles of Charing Cross. And uh, they basically, um, London then, London now, was clogged. And um, as my dear old mate Robbie told me back then in 1977, there is nothing new in this life, Nicky. There you go. I'm hoping that you enjoyed these little pieces. That was our random fixture from 120 years ago. Coincidentally, same score lines we had in the week. QPR nil on this occasion Mill Athletic 2 game played at Latimer Road on the 15th of February 1902 um, hope you enjoy these little shows do let me know if you like them um, or if you don't like them and um, you know we'll, we'll, it's always good to hear from you so until the next edition which will probably be over the weekend now in the aftermath of the Blackburn away fixture until then dear listeners thank you for listening thanks for all the support and it's Arrivederci Mill bye for now Thank you for listening to Aspen Media. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. Arrivederci, Mabel. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.